everybody, and welcome back to another podcast from yours truly. So we have spoken recently about the before and afters, the comparison between sacrificing your entire life and, you know, giving the best of you to the people who don't deserve it and stepping into your own role, your own space and following a soul path or a soul purpose. Uh, if you've just joined us, my name is Kylie Nicole and I'm a medium in Perth in Western Australia. And I am talking about the Empowered Path program, which is a program that I have designed, which is helping heart-centered, holistic women to see their value and find their purpose and take their place so that they can create a life of abundance in all things. So welcome. This week, I wanted to talk about our mindset and our identity and why these things are difficult for us as women to maintain and to get a grasp of but also why they're so important and why they're game changers. So when you think about who you are as a person, you kind of, how things sort of worked before is that we would rely on how other people perceived us to build an idea of who we were. So from the feedback from the people around us, we would get a sense of our identity. Then it becomes about what we give. So... What I mean by that is when you go into a day job or when you're working, when you have a career, when you're corporate, when you're whatever business that you're in, when you're working, you have a role that is assigned to you and that becomes your work identity. That becomes what you do. And that's easy enough because that's somebody else telling you what you need to do and where you need to be and how you need to do it and what you need to achieve could not be clearer. So a lot of us take hold of that work identity and we kind of run with it. And men actually in particular are very much about work identity, very much about what they can achieve in that space. Uh, but women do it as well. We're more about it at home. Like we have this expectation that's put on us that we have to do all of the things, you know, um, be, be all of the people, take on all of the roles and all of the identities and alongside that, maintain a home or go to work or whatever it is that that looks like, whatever those expectations are that are particular to us that have been put upon us, we have these expectations that we're supposed to fulfill. So when I think about like my previous identities, I was very corporate, I was at the top of my game, I was very ego-based, I was very um, internalized, uh, quite selfish. I... I wasn't a bad person. It's not like I was a different person altogether. It's just that my priorities were completely different and work came first. I was contactable 24 hours a day on my mobile phone. And actually, the sound of a mobile phone still gives me anxiety to this day. And we're talking years and years down the track. <laughs> to this day, my phone is on silent 99.9% .9 of the time because any notification noises make me feel anxious which is ridiculous, but it's just one of those things that I should probably do some work around. <laughs> anyway, the mindset thing and the identity thing are tied so closely together because we can't control the things that we go through in life to a greater than or lesser than degree. So basically, if things happen to us, sometimes there's nothing that we can do to control them. Uh, sometimes they're out of our hands, but how we react to them is always within our control. And how we react is very much based on our identity, what we think of ourselves, how we think we are going to react. Like we have this idea all the time of who we are as a person and how we interact with the world around us. And again, that's an identity thing. So when you strip back all of the roles, when you go, who am I? And I'm not talking about I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a partner, I'm a, uh, I'm a, 
a lawyer, I'm a doctor, I'm a nurse, I'm a logistics specialist, I'm a not interested in that. Who are you? And you're like, well, I'm so-and-so's daughter, I'm so-and-so's sister, I'm so-and-so's cousin. Still not interested. Who are you? Who are you? It's one of the most incredible questions because how do you answer that? When you don't take your identity from the world around you, when you don't have an expectation to fulfill, who are you? It's hard. You come back to like, well, I'm, you know, I'm Kylie Nicole. No, that's your name. Who are you? And I struggled with this a little bit because I was like, well, that's huge. I don't know. I don't know who I am. I've lived my entire life in this body, in this physicality, in this um, mental state, but I don't know who I am. And I think it was at that point where I gave myself permission to kind of pursue that a little bit further that I sort of got some answers. I'm still not convinced. (laughs) I still get a lot of who I am based on the roles that I play, but I am also authentic to who I am as a soul, as an energetic being, having a human experience. I'm more in alignment with that. When you're in alignment, that's harder than it sounds, by the way. Alignment is when what you think, say, and feel are all exactly the same. And we often do not live in a place of alignment because we're too concerned about what other people would perceive within that. And what other people perceive within that is actually none of our business. You can be in alignment and still be kind. You can you can be true to yourself and be gentle. It doesn't mean that you're, you know, a ball breaker or you're hard ass or any of those things. You can you can be exactly the way you are and still be in alignment. It's just there's a resonance there. It's not about being obligated to be polite Um, and you can still be kind you can still be gentle I think I don't know if this is like an everybody else thing or if it's a me thing but I was raised to always be polite and I think a lot of that and you know the whole respect your elders I had a very old school upbringing which my folks did a great job you know I'm, I'm not I'm not knocking them at all I just think and I remember when we were going through high school so I went to a really good high school in, in Bulawayo and they made you do etiquette courses and they literally taught you how to be a lady and you had to do that before you went on to your like form three so you would have been 15 and the kind of lessons and this and that school calendar this was a big deal like we all took the mick out of it a little bit but we we did it we had to do it, it was compulsory <laughs> And it was almost like those, you know how you get the the Swiss finishing schools and things like that. It was almost like a version of that. And when I think about the things that they considered important, that they needed to teach us as young women going out into the world, there was nothing there about identity. There was nothing there about um, confidence. There was nothing there about knowing how to handle your own business. There was nothing there about being... I don't know, like any of the things that I've actually used. Not to be fair, to be fair, they did teach us about cutlery and all of the glasses and all of the knives and the forks and all of the placements and the settings and the appropriatisms and all of that. And yes, I did use a lot of that, especially when I was doing the corporate thing. I did use a lot of that and I was grateful to them a lot <laughs> for those particular experiences. But some of the other things that they thought it was important to teach us as young women going out into the world was how to sit on a toilet. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. There is a proper way to sit on the toilet. There is a improper way also to sit on the toilet. And they thought that that was something that we needed to know about. Can't say I've ever sat on a toilet and gone, wow, I'm so glad that my etiquette class has taught me how to appropriately sit upon this throne. 
And some of the other things they taught us were, okay, like chewing and stuff. Yeah, I, I got you. I know that that's important. But uh, how to laugh correctly. They told us where to pitch our tone, how to laugh, how long to laugh for, what was appropriate and what was inappropriate. And that blew my mind because where is the authenticity in that? That's just, it's madness. But, you know, let's do that. Um, no lady likes snorts allowed, you know. <laughs> and, yeah, I think that to me was like mind-blowing. So they taught us how to sit on the toilet, how to laugh properly, the cutlery thing. Uh, how to get in and out of a car. And, okay, I've used that one a couple of times as well, especially when you're wearing dresses and stuff. It's, it can be tricky. How to walk in high heels. Um, do you know what? There was a host of things that they, they taught us, like how to be an appropriate house guest. Like when you go and stay with somebody, what gift to take and how to do it and how to leave the bed linen. And th all of these things are part of growing up, I think. And it's not a bad, like those things, those particular things, like how to be a house guest and when you borrow things, like how to do things in the right way, in the proper way. That's okay. I got no beef with that. But, you know, and I do think that some of that has been helpful. But I, I think the, the other things, the laughing correctly, the sitting on the toilet, the, you know, those things are kind of like, this is what you thought was important to give us as we're going out into the world as young women. Who's teaching us to represent ourselves? Oh, and actually they taught us, they actively taught us that talking about money was vulgar, that women do not discuss money or finances. And I thought like, wow, <laughs> you know, that was something I held on to because as a person, I've always been very conscious of doing the right thing. And I spoke about this in one of the earlier podcasts as well. I've had so much, not pressure because it, I didn't feel it as pressure, but the expectation on me from a very young age was that I was always going to do the right thing. I've always had a good head on my shoulders. I'm an old soul. I don't need to be parented. Like I was that kid and I've always had this expectation of always doing the right thing. And for me, if I make a mistake or if I do something wrong and if, whether that is something accidental or, you know, deliberate, although I don't think I would do, deliberately do anything wrong. It seems hard to imagine. Um, but whether that was accidental or a social faux pas or however, even, even mispronunciation of words can do it to me. <laughs> so I die inside. I curl up into a little ball in my solar plexus and I just die inside because I feel like I've done something wrong. And I am so sensitive to doing something wrong or doing something incorrectly. So when I left school, and I've touched on this before as well. I left earlier. I did. I got my academic colours and left a year earlier to try and get into university in the UK, which didn't happen. But when I left school, I went into business with this mindset that women did not talk about money. And when I think back, um, yeah, like, I don't remember. My mum was a teacher, uh, an incredible teacher. She was amazing at what she did. Money was always an issue in our house. It was quite scarce. But I don't remember having strong role models in, in women and, and money. I remember strong male figures, but not women figures. And I was like, oh, interesting, which is only something I picked looking back. But yes, I left, I left school and, and went into the world um, knowing how to appropriately sit on a toilet and laugh correctly. I can, I can pass myself off in any company. I can hold appropriate conversations and make small talk and laugh at the right tone. And I'll know which cutlery to use. Uh, but I didn't have any idea how to represent myself, how to do the important things. I didn't know how to talk about myself and to represent myself in a positive way. I didn't have the confidence to approach some of the things. I was only 17. I was very young when I left. 
so going into business and being employed, salary ne- negotiations were like, cool, we're going to pay you this. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> you know? There was never any more to it than that. And the mindset behind it was almost that I should be grateful for anything that I'm given. I should be grateful for attention that's paid to me. I should be polite and thankful with any interactions that I have around me. And I actually think that's damaging, especially as a young woman. You know, I had, I know this sounds like it's digressing, but it's all part of that mindset stuff. And I, I was with my first boyfriend for a long time, uh, three years, I think we were together for. And when we'd broken up and I kind of went out into the world as suddenly an adult, because when I, when I met Ryan, I was only, I don't know, 14, 15, 15. Um, And I was with him until I was 18. So when I went out into the world as this like, you know, 18 year old, I kind of, especially when it came to men, because I didn't really, my teenage years weren't really, I say, you know, 18, I was still a teenager, but my younger teenage years, I didn't really have much interaction on that level with guys. I always had guy friends. I was always more comfortable around the guys than I was with girls. Um, Although I have very, very close girlfriends too, but as a general comment, but I didn't, it was because we were matey. We were always friends. I was always in the friends thing. I was never looking for a, a boyfriend or a partner or anything like that. And when I'd broken up with Ryan, I remember kind of feeling like I needed to respond to everybody who spoke to me or anyone who whistled or I felt like I needed to be polite and I didn't know how to do that. And I felt like I needed to be grateful for this attention and it was so damaging and I was so naive. Uh, And I hope, you know, I have a son and I will teach him differently, but if I ever have any more kids, if I ever have a daughter, I hope she never feels that she has to be grateful for any attention that is given to her for any reason. But I I, I digress a little bit. (laughs) But yeah, the mindset thing was huge because if you don't know how to pass yourself off as an adult, if you don't know how to have strong adult empowered conversations, then you end up just accepting what's left. And if you start to accept what's left, it's very easy to continue to accept what's left without representing yourself in a proper way. And then when that becomes about business, when that becomes about you starting your own business or developing your own course or your own product or however that is, if you don't have an idea of what you are, who you are, what you're offering, who you want to work with, if you're not super clear on all of those things, it becomes a bit of a shit show because you don't know where to start and you don't know who you're talking to and you don't know how to appropriately handle any of that. So, you know, I I always start with a mindset. I always start with getting super clear on what I'm doing, why I'm doing it and who I'm talking to because without that information you can't build anything that is substantial. So yeah, mindset and identity are huge. When you understand who you are as well, when you answer that question that who am I, you start to understand who you're looking for or who you're speaking to because they're going to have a resonance with your own journey. Again, nothing that I've ever been through in my life has been a coincidence. And that is the same for every single other person out there. Nothing that we've gone through is by chance or coincidence. If we want to talk woo-woo for a second, like, do I believe in fate? To a degree, I do. I don't believe that every single step along the path is predestined or preordained. The way I've been made to understand it is that we have soul-contracted experiences, but not events. And how we get to those experiences can be through multiple different events. So, It's not the event itself that's contracted, it's the experience. And everything that we go through, 
every experience, every event, all of that, none of that's by chance. And that's how we choose to handle those things that dictates the path we then go on to take and the subsequent events and experiences that we choose to have. These can be good and they can also be not so great, obviously, depending on the choices that we make. And that's why choice is so powerful. Free will is so powerful. Um, so there is that. And I, I think that with the with the identity stuff, when you know who you are and you know who you want to talk to, that's 90% of the battle won. Then it becomes about the confidence. It becomes about understanding that you are enough. You are capable of being there and representing yourself and serving the people who you are here to serve right as you are right now today with nothing else extra. So one of the things that a lot of the women that I work with, one of the issues that they hit is the minute they decide that they're going to go and run a business or they want something different, they want to go off and do a course or get a university degree. <laughs> and sometimes that's fine. And other times it's really not necessary. It obviously depends on what you want to go into. But a piece of paper certifying you to do something is not necessarily what you need. It's what some women need as an external validation because they don't have the confidence to turn up and serve exactly as they are. So they'll procrastinate or procrastinate learn or procrastinate something. And, you know, then when that box is ticked, they'll find something else. They'll find something else, some other reason to not represent themselves or to not put themselves ahead. And that's all a confidence thing. It's because they don't believe that what they have, their message, their voice, their product, their service, whatever they're doing, they don't believe that that's worth sharing. And they're going, well, who am I for people to follow me? Who am I for people to want to learn from me? And they're, they're missing the point. The reason people want to follow them and learn from is because they are exactly who they are, not because of their qualifications, not because of the the piece of paper hanging on a, in a frame on the wall. It's because of their energy, it's what, because of what they've done, what they've achieved, what they can teach, what they can go through, where they can co-create. That's why people come on your journey. It's not because somebody's qualified you in something. Obviously, guys, caveat, when you're dealing with a medical profession or something where you do actually need a degree, this is different. But for the vast majority of the women that I'm working with, they don't need anything extra. They just need to turn up and serve exactly as they are. And when they do that, everything falls into place. But when you don't have the confidence or the mindset to do that, then that's when you start to hide behind other things. And I know that because I've done it. I've done all of the things. I just didn't take too long doing it, for which I am eternally grateful. <laughs> so I think as well, in my experience anyway, and I know every journey is different, but I'm talking about the, the journey that I've been on and the people that I've worked with and their kind of experiences as well. I think there's a huge weight that's get, that gets lifted off your shoulders when you understand that when you figure out who you are, it's not about what other people expect you to be. It's not about what other people think you should be or who other people think you should be. It's got nothing to do with any of that. And that's such a relief because we take on these roles and identities from the people around us. And that means that when we understand that we no longer need to maintain those, there's a freedom that comes with that. And that feels good. Being in alignment feels good. And that's what it's all about. So the other aspect of your identity and the path that you've been on is that when you are confident enough to talk about your journey, the good, the bad and the ugly, people resonate with that. There's like that me too aspect. And, you know, if I had to shorthand my own journey, and I know some of this will sound brutal and some of it's difficult to say, but it's not, I don't, none of it's been negative. None of it's been a bad thing. I don't have trauma, essentially, from most of it. <laughs> 
I do. I am starting to understand that I have things um, that are coming up now that I didn't realize. But for the most, these are not things that have affected me. But I was, you know, I was born into a, a ranching family. I nearly died from malaria when I was six months old. I My parents split up when I was three. They got back together and then they split up again when I was uh, six, I think. Uh, they got divorced when I was nine. We had to move into town, obviously off the farm and into town, which was the part that hurt me the most, I think, looking back. I was obviously at boarding school, which was great. I think that actually, I know people give boarding school a hard rap, but for me, it was the best thing my parents did for me in terms of independence and being able to deal with things and um, emotional maturity and stuff like that. Boarding school was it for me. My brother had a very different experience. He had a really hard time there and I think he was bullied. So not great, but for me, it was wonderful. Um, so I had boarding school and then my mum my mom was a functional alcoholic as well. So she was an incredible teacher. She made a huge difference. She was the most amazing person and my best friend. She's always been my best friend, but she's also an alcoholic. And, you know, it's weird because I say that like my mum's a functional alcoholic or was a functional alcoholic and then I immediately have to go in and defend that. The defense is true, but so is the initial fact. And, you know, I had to deal with that. And I ran away from home at one point and then I had to leave home when I was 17. That wasn't choice. That was circumstance. I was living in Zimbabwe because that was so horrendous at the time. Um, but having seen scarcity, having, I, I remember one night my mom crying because she couldn't buy me pretty things. She couldn't, and it was actually underwear at the time. And she was like, I, I just wish I could buy you pretty underwear. You deserve to have nice things. And my gran would make most of my clothes. And, you know, I thought that that was precious. I, I still think that that's precious. I didn't suffer for the lack of any of those things, but my mum suffered on my behalf. And money was that scarce. I remember one memorable occasion sharing a sausage and a potato for dinner because money was scarce. And we did the best that we could. And the women in my family could create a meal out of nothing. They could go into a pantry and whip up a meal. And not just for us, but for anyone else who happened to walk in through the door. Because the Zimbabwe culture is open door policy. And most of my friends lived at my house at some point. So, you know, <laughs> there was that. But when, when you take like all of that and then being on my own in the UK at 17 and trying to figure that out. And, and what that journey has looked like and then my career path. There's a lot of it, but we all have a story and it's that that makes us special. It's that that makes us unique. It's the way we figured things out and the choices that we've made that have got us to this point. And every single situation will become part of our story. You know, when I was living in New South Wales, I had finally decided that I was going to represent myself um, with my spiritual stuff, my mediumship. And I booked a event, I set up this event and I was going to talk to people about mediumship and try and educate people and do a little demonstration so they could understand what it looked like. And I was super excited. We were living in Kurajong in New South Wales, which is like just underneath the Blue Mountains, beautiful area, um, quite a woo-woo area. So quite a lot of spiritual people out there, quite a lot of hippies. And I was like, yes, I found my niche. I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk about it. I'm super excited. We got all hyped up. Um, my friend and I went there and nobody turned up. There was just us just us and the crickets. And it was beautiful. <laughs> we laughed about it and I wasn't upset at all. I was actually a little bit relieved if I'm being completely honest. But the point is, I knew as I sat there in that empty room with my friend and we were laughing and drinking a, a herb, like a chamomile tea or something. And I knew that us sitting there that night in that moment was going to become part of my story. And it has done because now I've done platform demonstrations for like, full full rooms, rooms where people actually turned up. 
I've I've worked for hundreds of people all the way across the world. Um, I'm I'm well. I say an international medium. I have worked in multiple different countries, and also obviously now working online, you're more available internationally. So I'm an international medium, and it's okay to own that. Uh, that's a little reminder to me. It's okay to own those things. But at that moment, I was just a girl sitting on the floor with her friend laughing um, because nobody had turned up for this talk that I was so scared of. And now that's part of my story. So every single thing in the choices that we make get us to here. And that's all about your mindset. That's all about the choices. That's all about the identity. That's all about having faith in your journey and not needing to be externally validated. If I'd sat there and I was upset and I decided, well, if I was meant to be a medium, then this would be a full room of people. If I was meant to be doing this, then... You know, I wouldn't be sat here on my own looking like a chop. And, you know, I'd feel that quite personally and everything else. But that's not how I saw it. I honestly, in the moment and to this day, it's still a precious memory that makes me laugh because it was just so, it was so perfect, actually. (laughs) And doing that, I was like, okay, so I've done my bit. I've turned up. I've done my 50%. I've proven now that I'm willing to turn up for myself, regardless of if that's for one people or uh, one people, for one person or a hundred people, I will turn up. And when it's a thousand people, I will turn up. I'm never going to not turn up. I've backed myself now. And that again, that started its own trajectory. There are so many little, little crossroads and little pathways that we follow. And it's all about the choices and when you learn how to make the right choices and your right choices, I don't mean by the the good choice, the responsible choice. The, I mean, those are probably never a bad idea, but the right choice for you is only going to look how it looks to you. Other people might not perceive that in the way that you do. Um, but when you learn to make those choices and you learn to own those choices and you go along for the ride and you go in with this energy of co-creation and of playing with our time here, do you know what? You can have a hundred years and it's not a long time. So you want to go into this whole human experience with the air of playing with it and seeing what else you can create and remembering that we're not here to suffer and we're not here to wear pain like some kind of a badge of honor. And then that changes the whole energetic conversation. It makes you go, what else can I do? What else can I create? How else could this look for me? Where do I want to be and where am I at, where am I at right now? And how do I cross that, that divide? How do I make this happen? And it's, it's incredible. That's where the magic happens. And that's, I love that. I love that transition, that journey. That's why I am of service to the people who are in that process. That's why the Empowered Path program. That's why I teach mediumship. That's why I do the come and try days when people try all the different forms of connection and psychic and mediumship and all those things. It's all because I want to be part of that journey. I want to go on that journey with, with, with you, with you. You, if you're listening to this, if this resonates with you, I want to work with you. I want to show you what else is possible. And I'm not leading from the front. I'm co-creating. I want to go on your journey with you by your side. I want to help. And that's why I do what I do. So that's it for another week from me. I hope that you have found something interesting within this session. Um, again, mindset is incredible and your identity, who are you? If you do anything else this week, I'd love for you to take that question and think about it, you know, really get clear with yourself on who you are and write down what that is for you because you'll do it once and you'll get an answer and then you'll probably forget what that answer is and then you'll have to do it again. So at least if you write it down, you can, you can go back to that previous answer and see if it still works for you. It's a good point to start at anyway. <laughs> Guys, have an amazing week. Thank you for joining me again. It's, I always appreciate this time with you and thank you for your support. Whether there's one of you listening or a thousand of you listening, I will still turn up for you. 
And I hope that you get value from this. Have a great week. We'll speak to you next week. Thank you.